0: Hey, my name is Amber Wilford, and I am obsessed with all things habits and systems. I'm a mama, wife, and entrepreneur who knows the importance of the little things in life. Each episode, I'll share tips for creating habits, talk about real life behind the scenes of motherhood, marriage, and building a business, and encourage the heck out of you with some tough love, all while enjoying a cup of coffee. So go grab yours and listen up. This is the Live Fiercely Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Live Fiercely Podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend, Danielle Wolf here today. She is going to share about uh, self-care, about having that mindset as a mom. And uh, Danielle and I met through Instagram, I believe, through the Millionaire Mompreneur Mm -hmm. Project. You did a live with us there, and then it just made sense for us to hang out a little bit on Instagram because we're both all about self-care. Uh, Daniela's kids are a little bit older than mine, and so I'm so excited to have her here today to share about her experience of kind of watching her kids grow up and finding that self-care, that balance of taking care of herself and her family, and uh, what that looks like as the kids get older. So,
1: Danielle, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, you Hi, go, Amber. It's so great to see bit. you again. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. I'm Daniella Wolf. My business is Bestie Life, helping you find the bliss in your busy. And I know we are very parallel and similar in walking the walk and talking the talk all about self-care and mindset and habits and all of those kinds of things. And for me, it definitely was a process and a journey. And, you know, many years back, my kids were little like four and six months old, and I went through a divorce and I was a single working mom trying to do it all, be it all, act like I had it all together and I could handle things. And I hit a moment um, during this storm that we had when I was literally bailing buckets from my sump pump, trying to not let my basement flood. Whereas this is, this is not working. This is not helpful. And, you know, learning how to accept help, letting my neighbor, you know, connect me to his generator, like little things, you know, being able to ask for help, being able to not try and do it all and reframe my expectations, change the little things when it came to fitting in, you know, some movement, going to the gym, being okay with putting my kids in the daycare at the gym and not feeling guilty, you know, appreciating like my favorite banana smoothie from a gratitude perspective and finding those moments throughout my day was just the beginning of that process for me. And definitely, like you said, over time, my kids are now older, they're 20 and 16, you know, they saw, that change in me, you know, cause I knew this was not who I wanted them to get to know. Cause I was snappy and irritable and impatient and things like that. And I gradually got to see over time, not only the benefits for me and how good I felt as well as having friends and family, you know, ask, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, how did you do that? I'm so jealous that you're fitting this in. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's possible. We should all be fitting that in to just even my kids being able over time to learn you know, when you're having a bad day, it's okay to take some time. Um, I've shared this one story a couple of times. My son, he was probably in middle school. I came home and he had made hummus and put out a little tray with some candles and was like, You know, mom, you've had a rough week and I thought you might like this. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like he saw oh, those, it. That's those so little, sweet. isn't that? I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But they saw the benefits of taking time for yourself as a good thing, as a positive thing, as well as just a gift you give to other people of time. Cause I, I know we've talked so many moms and women feel that guilt of like, I'm letting my kids down. If I'm not there for them all the time, I'm letting somebody else down. If I'm not serving somebody else other than myself and not realizing, and you know, not everyone will get the benefit of that big And blatant an example, but to realize you are giving them a gift when you do those things. And it is a gift you give to other people to give them that time and space and appreciation of just being without having to do anything.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so sweet (laughs) that he did that for you. I love that. And then, like you said, like you're setting that example. So not only are they like seeing you do that, then they know how to do that for themselves better. And like, especially when they're gone, yeah, you know, yeah. like someday these kids are going to be adults and you are no longer going to be around. And yeah, to set that example of, of and that it's teaching not the them big how to thing. do it. It yeah. is the little
1: things they do everything every day. My, my daughter does, you know, Monday mask night and sometimes we do it together, or, you know, but it's just 10 minutes and she throws it on while she's doing other things, but she knows she's doing that for her hydration, you know, movement, all sleep. (laughs) I love sleep. You know, all these things we talk about and how you think and how you interact with others. It's all part of the process.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's go back. You talked about accepting help. And I think this is something that is really hard to do because we do want to put on this persona. Like we've got it all together, but whether you do or, or you don't, you don't like if yeah. you think you do, you don't, you're faking it. Like you're struggling in some way. Uh, Cause it's. I mean, it's hard. I just texted my daughter's violin teacher last night and I, I told her, I have been praying for women mentors in my children's life who know God, who love God and can just be that godly example to them because I can't do this alone. It truly takes a tribe mm-hmm. of moms, of people to help raise these kids but not even that, like
1: simply asking your neighbor for help. Right. And the power of the village is so much more than the power of ourselves. And I don't think we realize that, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable, but by opening up, we become so much more connected and stronger through that relationship and those bonds. And I, you know, it, it, I don't know where it gets taught or why we internalize the fact that being strong means solo when it's actually more isolating and alone than if we are connected and together.
0: So true. So how would you just address the topic of like, how do we ask for help? And like, when do we know to ask for help?
1: I think, it's hard sometimes to know when you're in the thick of it, but if somebody says something, you know, Hey, can I help with this? Is there anything you need? That's a, that's a sign, you know, cause you might be like, Oh no, I'm good. And keep going on your way. <laughs> but I think to be able to notice that if somebody else is reaching out for whatever reason, even if they don't know why they're asking that, that's probably a sign that your energy needs some support, that you need some help. And I think, It's hard sometimes to ask for help, but I think if, you know, part of one of the things I talk about when it comes to self-care is, is being connected and having those relationships. And I think just talking to people, we can talk ourselves into realizing what we need rather once we get it out of our head, because in our head, we have it all together. We have our to-do list, we check things off, but once we start speaking, those things that we realize maybe we're complaining about, or we're kind of putting out there like, I've got this, this, this. That's exactly where you need the help.
0: Yeah, for sure. I remember last season, last spring, um, my two oldest were in you know soccer and softball, and my youngest was in ballet. And there, in May, it was like I had to be in three places at once. Absolutely. (laughs) And I remember telling myself like I can do this, I've got this. One day in, I was like, I don't freaking got this. Like I need help. And it didn't take me long to realize. I needed help and I asked people, like, can you get this kid to this place or can you bring her home? And man, what a like weight off of my shoulders that was. Such a simple thing to be able to admit to yourself, it is okay. It does not make me a bad mom that I can't be three places at once or that I mean, that I don't make this big gourmet meal and I have a simple soup in the crock pot.
1: That is okay. And I think not only does it not make us a bad mom, but it also enhances our kids. You think about it, like if we're running around to three different places and the kids are in the car, we're going to have that tension. We're going to be like, okay, we got to go. Let's go. Let's go. Versus they're with their friend. They're getting picked up. They're singing their songs in the the backseat of the car. You know, like for them, that's just a fun experience. They don't even think like, oh, I wish I was with my mom driving around. They're having fun. They have something great to come back and share with you, you know, and that's, the beauty sometimes of having not only activities for ourselves, but for our kids on our own, like we all get to come back and have the kids say, well, what did you do today? How did you think that show was? How was your golf game? You know, or just to ask your kids, like, what did you do with Susie? How, how was their day? You know, we all have more stories and more things to bring back to each other, which again, only enhances and enriches our time together rather than feeling like it's a loss or that there's a lack of something.
0: For sure. And coming back to what we said before about how, when we are doing self-care for ourselves, we're setting that example for our kids. It's the same thing when we either try and take it all on ourselves. If we, especially if we have daughters, you know, they think like when we grow up as, and be a mom, like I have to do it all. I can't ask for help. But if we're setting that example now, like our kids will know that it's okay to ask for help, or at least you hope that they'll pick up on that (laughs) and take those skills into their adult life. Right.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think almost making that conscious choice to talk about it, whether good, bad, or ugly. Sometimes to be like, you know what? I took on too much today. And I know I was stressed and I know I was snappy and I'm sorry. And that's okay. Cause it's not about being perfect. It's about being people, you know, yeah. and, and people, people mess up and that's all right.
0: Yes, absolutely. I've been thinking about that so much lately. Uh, I had somebody send me something and it said, uh, basically, uh, I can't remember exactly, but it was like something about how uh, moms, we do it all. And uh, not only do we have to figure it all out, but we can't let our kids see us suffering. And I thought, why the heck not? I think it's good for our kids to see us make mistakes and apologize or work harder next time to to do it better or whatever it is. But I, I talked to my kids about Everything like my, we were just talking yesterday again about how my seasonal depression is like crept back in because we're in the, the end of April and you'd think it would be gone, but uh, it's not <laughs> because it's, still, no, it's still gray, you know? <laughs> Um, and anyway, I, I, talk to my kids about that stuff because it's so important for them to know, like, we aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect mom. I am far from it, but I'm doing my very best in a lot of ways. And I struggle still. And I still really lean on my faith and, and all of those aspects.
1: Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think children learn so much, not just from what we say, but what we do and, If we expect them to know how to communicate their feelings, how to be vulnerable, how to be uncomfortable, where are they ever going to learn that if we don't show them, you know, I I work in a school setting, I've been there for 23 years, we don't teach that, you know, we're trying to get better at it, but school doesn't teach some of those more kind of emotional based social processing, mental health kind of stuff. We're working on it, but it really is a pattern that they learn over time. It's, you know, it's something they kind of, I don't know about you, but like my kids, I've noticed when they start doing some of the things, the way I do them, whether it's even like how they kick the fridge closed or, you know, they, they practice what they see. And, you know, a one-time lesson at school is not going to be the same as, what they're going to learn at home on a daily basis. And sometimes that's the ugly stuff too, you know, and it's hard when you see them react in a way and you're like, Oh God, that is, that is me. I so taught them that. Yeah. And that's, that's okay to process and talk about too. Cause our first reaction is to be like, no, don't do that. But they're thinking even subconsciously, but I saw you do that, you know? And so there's a, there's a conflict and how do we teach them to work through that conflict?
0: And, you know, like that's where the mom guilt comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, how do we get over that? You know, like we're not perfect and we're not called to be perfect, but then we feel guilty when we make mistakes, even when we like, I know I'm, I'm working really hard to not snap at my kids. I'm really, I, I used to be really good at that, but I'm trying to be better. And I'm, I, I talk to them about it, but there are times that I still just snap and yeah. I apologize, but then I feel like guilty. I, I mean, it's just like a, a harsh cycle, you know, how, how do you get over that?
1: And sometimes it's about kind of your expectations ahead of time, knowing I'm, I'm not going to have a great day. You know, I know I've got a lot on my plate preparing your kids. Like I've got a lot on my plate today, you know, rather than waiting until something happens and apologizing after the fact, kind of pre-setting the conversation of, If, if I'm a little bit short today, this is why let's work together to make things a little bit easier and just changing the way we think about again, our days, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think the guilt comes from the conversation that happens after the fact we think I should have, I wish I, you know, that regret is where the guilt comes from and not that we should never have feelings or feel bad for how we treat people. But what we do with that, if we let it sit within us and fester and eat us up, that's the guilt versus, okay, I had a bad moment, but I'm going to now go and have another good 20 minutes and do something positive. And instead of staying in that negative place, changing the conversation, changing how we end, you know, to end on a high note, to find a way to make it different or to make the outcome different or what we learn from it. It's always going to be a work in process. There's never going to be like perfect mindset day. Like, yeah. you know, but I think continuing to have that awareness and intentionality of how we go forward is how we're going to keep working on changing it so that then. Maybe we fall into that negative place a little bit less. We're able to bounce out of there a little bit quicker. We're able to take our kids with us and, you know, cause they're not perfect either. And they have those bad moments and we don't want them sitting in that negative place, beating themselves up. Oh my God, I'm a horrible kid, all these things. So we have to work on creating that cycle of, it's not that you're ever going avoid, to avoid that pothole, but what do you do when you get in it? Do you stay there? Do you pop out. Do you keep going? Do you find a better path? Those are the types of things that help create that different kind of tone and rhythm in your day. For sure.
0: I always talk about like stop the thought. Like if you're going down that like guilty path, just like stop the thought and remind yourself, like, this is why I'm a good mom. Or like you said, like, what's my next action going to be? It's going to be better. It's going to be something positive. It's got to be different, if nothing else. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. What about, Okay, so I have kids a little bit older, and I know a lot of my listeners and like followers followers on Instagram, they still have like babies and toddlers, Mm -hmm. and that's like a whole different stage, right? Like gosh, there's the (laughs) mom guilt over like I don't know, the the kid tantruming because he doesn't want to put his shoes on, and so you yell at him, or or there's the mom guilt over not being able to breastfeed or not breast not being able to breastfeed for the whole first year or Mm Uh, time away. Like there are things that you have to learn as a newer mom uh, Mm -hmm. that is kind of a different mindset than the same mom guilt that we deal with as um, a mom with school-aged kids.
1: Right. Right. Because I don't think we get that same feedback from kids. And, and it's so interesting. You brought that up because my daughter and I actually had a conversation, um, just a couple of weeks ago, she went to babysit and she was telling me how the, the one little kid was so upset when their mom left and was crying and, you know, but then within five minutes they were fine. And I said, I remember you were probably three months old and I was dropping you off at daycare and you would be clinging to me and they would have to peel you off of me. And, you know, and I would just feel horrible. And then when I get to work, I could pop on the camera and see that you were playing and fine. She goes, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that. And to think like what I carried and took with me based on what I thought they were feeling, you know, and I think that's where so much of our guilt comes from. And with older kids, we process it a little bit differently because we can hear their feelings. We can see their feelings. But I think when they're younger and we are putting feelings on them that they don't even necessarily have, I think that's where some of that can really get heavy because we are sometimes our own worst critics. We have those mean girls in our head that are going to keep telling us all those negative things. And the only person that can change that conversation, because you don't have a person, you know, your, your child at that point can't be like, mom, I'm good. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll be fed either way. But we're the only ones or by connecting again with each other is how we're going to help change that thought process so that we're not. Continuing to kind of go down that negative path and reinforce those negative thoughts and statements.
0: For sure. And I think that's where your mom tribe comes back in too, you know, mm-hmm. um, being able to talk to us a, a safe, uh, being able to have a safe space to talk, talk those things out where you can mm-hmm. vent and cry and whatever. And like the other person or people will not keep you there. They will empathize with you. They will comfort you, but they will remind you what a great mom you are. And it doesn't matter, yeah. you know. I read the. I think those shared
1: experiences are what kind of make them less isolating and stressful. Cause if other people are dealing with them, how bad are we?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I read something the other day that I laughed about. It was like, I breastfed my baby and fed, or no, one day you're breastfeeding your baby and feeding them organic baby food, homemade baby food. And the next there are teenagers coming in with a bag of Cheetos and code Red Mountain Dew motherhood is humbling like that, you know, and like, they're going to be okay. And it's hard when you're in the moment because your heart is hard. doesn't matter what stage you're in. The heart of motherhood is really hard, but sometimes we have to get outside of that that box in our head and think like long-term, how much is this really going to affect them in their, in their life? And especially for those new moms or moms with toddlers, like those kids aren't going to remember that stage of their life.
1: Right. I mean, unless it's like, you know, obviously I work with a range of students, you know, if it's crossing the line, you know, and oh, sure. kind of thing. But for the most part, for they're sure. shades of gray and parenting and and to get out of that hard, rigid right and wrong. Yeah. You know, I think allows us the grace to just be okay with what each day looks like, you know, even the sure. grace we give ourselves. Some days it's cookies and sweatpants, some days it's salads and, you know, sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> and it all works out in the end.
0: Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, this has been such a good conversation. Um, Two things. Is there any last like tidbits of information you want to share something that could be helpful for moms and two, let us know where we can find you? Uh, I know you have a really great coaching program. And so you can talk a little bit and share about that as well.
1: Yeah. So I think grace is key, you know, to allow yourself that inner forgiveness is how you start to let go of the guilt and move forward. Um, you know, balance, I know can be a trigger word for some people and just, you know, super quick balance is not about everything being equal, but to allow yourself to be able to adapt and pivot and have some resilience and boundaries are the beginning steps To finding that and definitely, you know, you can find out more about that. Like Amber said, I have a one on one coaching program, the chaos to calm mom method, I have a freebie, it's a framework that outlines that whole program. So you can start to see how these pieces of mindset and habits and balance and self care all work together to begin creating that kind of network and framework to living each day. And it's all about the options too, because each day is going to be different. And some days your kids are going to roll out the door with everything in their backpack and everything rolls smoothly and your coffee doesn't spill and nobody spits up on you. And (laughs) other days it's, it's not going to play out that way. It's just a disaster. And having the options of knowing how you can pivot those moments is again, those pieces of making it work, because it's not about perfection, but about just being, you know, human, and the kind of people that can just adapt to all of that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think the link for that will be in the show. Yes. Notes. Awesome. Yes.
0: Yep. That and your
1: Instagram. Yes. Uh, I'm at best website, in life and Facebook. Yep. And I, you know, feel free to ask me any questions, all of um, my websites, definitely share this kind of material. So I would love to support you in any way that I can.
0: Awesome. I'm so glad that you were here. Thanks for chatting, Daniella. Thanks, Amber. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Live Fiercely podcast. If you love anything you heard today, then go share the love with your family and friends. Take a screenshot of the episode, share it to your social media, and don't forget to tag me. Girl, I appreciate you so much for being here, for walking through this life with me. Now go out there, Grab a cup of coffee and live fiercely.